We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome in to the season-ending edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? We've made it through another season of 82 NBA games. And joining me, as they do each and every time, as we are the three-man weave. First up, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's up, my guy? What's good, bro? Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, Splash Bros, 2.0. <laughs> we'll get all into the big Sunday showdown between the Boston Celtics and Atlanta Hawks. But before we do that, of course, we have our podcasting cousin from across the pond, the El Capitan of the Taylor gang, one and only Adam Taylor. What's popping, Tat? What's popping, Adam? Yo, what's going on, man? What's going on? Big, uh, I was going to say big win. Big end to the season <laughs> for a few of the role players. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm kind of hyped. I'm I'm ready for this, man. Are you ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. There we go. You still still my my pregame uh my pregame line there. But guys, we've made it to. I was thinking about this day. We've made it to the end of another season, Greg. I, I know for us, this is somehow our third full season of podcasting about wow. the Boston Celtics. We started in the bubble. We had the abbreviated season after that. We had the run to the championship last year. And now this year, this is our third full season. And then Adam, this is your fifth, sixth full time full season with covering the Celtics. So my first season covering the Celtics was the Marshawn Brooks year. Okay, so it's going. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what year that is. But yeah, I, I like that. I that's the way that, that your year. mind thinks. There's a Hannibal. <laughs> there's a there's a Hannibal Burris joke about this about how men's minds work in time frames where it's like, oh yeah, this happened. He was like, oh that was that was in 08 when Kobe had 35 in that game against the Clippers. You know, it's just the way our minds work at tracks. For you, apparently, it goes back to Marshawn Brooks. Yeah, because he was the guy. Like he was the first player where I was like, um, on an unreasonably high on like i'm like yo there's something here right like so it was the same so i think it was brad stevens first year it was the so oh nine no oh nine what am i on about that's the year that the celtics didn't win the championship due to injuries um it was brad stevens first year i think so as long as brad stevens has been with the celtics organization i've been upsetting celtics fans or trying to make them happy <laughs> well i shortchanged you on that man but it's 
it's been a jersey a journey guys like 82 more games are in the books how are you guys feeling right now now that you know as we're recording here the the very final games of the nba season are taking place where they can figure out the mess that is the western conference and has been the western conference all season that's all about to shake out the east is set and finalized which we'll get in here to in a minute but just give me some feelings how, how are y'all feeling right now as, as game 82 is now complete cue the music for the pod Feeling good, feeling great, bro. How do we not feel great? Second seed, I think I actually called this uh, 56 wins. I think that was my, or 57 wins would we yeah, end up with? 57. So, fi- so 57. Celtics final record, 57-25 will be the two seed heading into next weekend's playoffs. Okay, I think I said 56 and 26. So 57 wins. I was right on the money with that. And, uh, you know, the Celtics, the vibes are good heading into the playoffs, aside from Jalen Brown's hand, which hopefully is okay. But you got to water your plants, everybody. I mean, I had 63 wins, so I was a little bit further off than you. I was very optimistic heading into the season. I'm more concerned about Jalen Brown's hand than most people because I'm just like, dude, I don't need you to be missing extra time just because a stitch came out early or, oh, no, you Find some, you know, when you break glass and then you clean it all up, but there's always a, a shard or two that you've missed, right? I don't want him to be like doing press ups in the lounge and then all of a sudden he wakes up and there's glass in his hand or something. So I'm a bit concerned about that. Um, I don't know why you'd be doing press ups. We, we can't, we can't have two Celtics players with glass still lodged in their hands. <laughs> this is what I'm I was, I was right? thinking about that. I was like, well, at least he didn't punch anything. You know, at least there's the difference in that right there. But that is that is an interesting part, a little wrinkle here, right, towards the end of the season, just that Jalen Brown hand injury, which Jared Weiss reported of the athletics. So, Adam, you said you do have a little bit of concern. Greg, you and I were together yesterday checking out some NBA basketball here in Austin, Texas, where we live, little Spurs, Timberwolves action. By the way, Adam, uh, Romeo passed us a message. He said he misses you. He misses your coverage. He misses the flattering belief that you have in him because we were debating yesterday. If he's going to get a second NBA contract, yeah, yeah, someone's going, someone somewhere is going to believe <laughs> that they can be. Wait, 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 Adam! I didn't realize that you bought an NBA team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I Taylor's the only way Romeo's getting a second contract in this league, <laughs> if I owned an NBA team, I would find a way to make him my bench lineups primary ball handler, and I'd believe that he could grow from there. And I'd be wrong because he wouldn't be healthy, but. I'd definitely do as much as I could to try and make that happen. <laughs> well, this combo right here is the definition of end of the NBA season storylines, where we're talking <laughs> about the first, you know, five, six minutes of the podcast about Romeo Langford getting a second contract. But that's kind of, you know, the way it shakes out with some of these games. Like I said, in the East, everything's been kind of set since about the beginning of the week. There's a few different things that could happen uh, in today's game, which let's talk about that for a few minutes and then we'll, we'll hit a few other things here, but you know, Celtics versus Hawks, basically the, the second units of each team for the Celtics, only Derek white and, and uh, Grant Williams played, you know, any, they didn't play five minutes each. I don't even want to say significant time, but really it was the Peyton Pritchard show for 46 minutes. Plus Sam Hauser, uh, Mike Muscala, the big three, as we call them in Boston, Austin locking it down for the Celtics here with a 120 to 114 victory over the Hawks, who could be the Celtics' potential play-in opponent here, which we'll find out on Tuesday and talk about here in a minute. But you know, today's game, Celtics over the Hawks. Let's just talk touch 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 on it here for a minute. 
funner than expected game is kind of my reaction to it. I was ready to be half paying attention, just kind of waiting for it to end. But I had a good time watching these guys start launching these shots. Greg, what, what were you thinking when you were watching the game today? That was Joe Mazzulla's wet dream, just to be able to shoot 53 three-pointers in that game. I think we were like 25 or 26 for 53, 54. So, you know, with Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, Mike Muscala on the court, you checking the numbers, Will? Did I get it right? Yeah, we got 25 of 54, shooting 46.3% from three. Whew. I, Peyton, I think, had nine. Sam had seven or eight. See, um, I, I got you here. Peyton okay. was nine of 16. We had Muscala four of seven, and we had Sam Hauser eight of 14. <laughs> they were just bombs away the entire game. I think Pritchard had like 13 three-pointer three-point attempts in the first half. Uh it was just, it was just a lot of fun watching them to shoot threes, just playing. By the way, triple double Peyton Pritchard first ever first triple double of his career for him of of many Shout I out to PP man, like he's finally getting some run. He had a tough end of the season with that heel injury. Um had a rough season just in general, didn't get a lot of burn this year after a pretty good year last year. So it's good to see him ball out for 46 minutes, get that triple double. Sam Hauser, man, I just want to talk more and more about Sam Hauser because, you know, I've I've been talking about this with you, Will, but at the end, and I think Adam, you and I touched on this on the Instagram Live that didn't go so well with the connection issues. <laughs> but like Sam Hauser versus Grant Williams in the playoffs, I think is going to be a fun um, little conversation to be had if the Celtics don't need Grant's defense, if it's more just like we need another floor spacer on the court and defense isn't too much of an issue. Sam Hauser, there's a real argument to be made that he's he's won those minutes. Yeah, and I think one of what I said to you, but um, look, I don't know if you actually heard me because the IG live <laughs> connection was so bad. <laughs> but my like my reasoning for that as well to kind of be be on board with you is to be like, yeah, okay, if you're if you're facing a Giannis or you're facing an Embiid, then you definitely need Grant because he can get underneath guys, he's strong and all of that good stuff. But Sam Hauser kind of gives teams a different kind of issue to deal with, right? Like he ta- he. His presence kind of just takes you out of what you want to do offensively because somebody somewhere wants to mismatch on him. So all, now your offense devolves into, hey, we need to force a switch, and now we need another switch. Now we've got Sam Hauser. Oh, wait, he's not a bad defender as what we thought. And over a seven-game series, that won't last, but it might be enough to give a team a bad stretch for a quarter or maybe two quarters, half a game. And that could be the difference in winning your first game or winning your third game or whatever. So I'm big, man. I think Sam Houser's really improved this year. We've seen it. We've seen the dunks. We've seen some blocks. With the three point shooting, the way he lines his hips up, his like his hip alignment is excellent. The speed in which he does it. And I don't know if anyone saw me put this on Twitter, but I was like, how instead of Houser, we need to call him Houser because he just keeps doing crazy shit. <laughs> I don't know if that's dad humor or more British humor. I don't. I don't even know oh, where no, to label that. Humor, it's, I that's, think it's that's, dad humor. That's perfect humor. That's what that is. That's amazing. <laughs> Air Hauser in the building. Yeah, Sam getting those dunks was uh, <laughs> was uh, was really fun last game. And you know, I, I think with Sam. You know, Van Gundy was was kind of gushing over some of his movement shooting in the game today. And you look at a lot of his numbers, his on-off-court numbers specifically when he's with Jason Tatum. Greg, you and I were talking about this the other day. Like, just him maneuvering, you know, off the ball when Tatum has it and you're having to worry about him curling around different screens, you know, setting screens himself. You have to just have that other awareness. And Tatum seems to actually play really well with that. So even if that's only going to be for 
a stint in the you know second quarter of a playoff game or you know for you know 10 to 15 minutes here and there you know that's going to be another weapon that the Celtics are really going to be able to utilize in talking about what will Sam Hauser's role be is is even those small you know couple little little dose of Sam here or there could be something that that they weaponize in a real meaningful way definitely yeah I'm looking forward to the playoffs man um this was a great way to end the regular season you know um playoffs right around the corner I think this was like the perfect cherry on top to a pretty good season although we had some ups and downs which we'll get into here in our next segment I think uh this this was a good 2022-2023 NBA season can I just throw in there that I'm really happy that for the next few months I don't have to deal with back-to-backs because yeah. when you're when you're covering a team, you want to get two, re, you want to get a watching, a rewatch, then probably a podcast, then you, you, whatever written stuff you've got to do based off that that one day reprieve between game day, it's game day, day off, game day works perfect. Back to back, and you're like, man, it's balls to the wall, nonstop. I need some air. So uh, not having to deal with back to backs until next season is probably well. That's why we ju- that's why we uh, created the three man weave to come on full time, and we got to do some load management. Can, <laughs> can't 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 have you pod in every pod. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm, like, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm developing like lock lock finger like lock jaw, but in my fingers, dude, like from <laughs> carpal and, tunnel. <laughs> We're gonna all get tonsillectomies here, just you know, podcasting too much, but we play through it. We play through it for the people. But real quick, two things here before we go to a break, and then we got some categories that are gonna help us review the season here in its immediacy, as it obviously just came to an end here, the regular season that is. But the first question that we have to talk about, and both of y'all, Adam and Greg here, you you guys are my 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 combat, you know, my combat sport experts that I kind of lean into here. Big part of the broadcast today, Joey Jiu-Jitsu over here, you know, going going <laughs> crazy through his Joe crazy Joe Missoula doing his Joey Jiu-Jitsu over here, going through his mental mind state. Uh, give me some thoughts of, of what you, I know there's a big uh, UFC MMA match that, you know, went down last night, Greg, that you were watching. You know, give, give me your thoughts on uh, Joe Missoula and, uh, and his combat training. I think the funniest part about it was the fact that it was his jujitsu master or whatever. What, what do you call the jujitsu leader, Adam? What's their name? Are they a sensei? Well, on, he's from like, so they're running a Gracie Barra system, Gracie Baja. Um, so they're called professors. Okay. So his professor of jujitsu was the one that told him to stop chewing gum. That was, that was a fun little uh, tidbit that we learned today. Because he said, he told, he told Joe that it was a crutch. <laughs> apparently he was like you have to master whatever the anxiety is that you're that's causing you to chew gum throw the gum away master it with your mind the gum is here not here <laughs> i just want to say that i know a lot of jujitsu instructors and not one of them has ever told me to get rid of my voices or crutches they're just like yeah dude you kind of just gotta figure it out so he, he, but again, I'm not a multimillionaire paying for one of the best coaches in the world. Yeah, you're not, you're not flying in your jujitsu coach from Denver. So fun story. One of the best jujitsu coaches is out in LA, and I cannot. My mind's just gone blank. I'm going to Google him in a moment. But um, he's like a coral belt, so it takes ten years to get a Brazilian jujitsu black belt. Like that's pretty much your bare minimum. Ten years in of consistent training it takes another 20 years on top of that maybe more to get your cover belt so you need to have done like 30 40 years of like hardcore jujitsu and you only get that cover belt if you've made like huge input into the martial art you don't just it's not like a belt because you've been a black belt for so long it's just you earn it and uh, i remember messaging him when i was flying to la like hey i want to want a private session 
one to one. I want to train with one of the best. And uh, he, the, the, I think it was like a 5K for like 30 minutes training. Jean Jacques Machado, that's who it was. It was so expensive, dude. I was just like, man. So yeah, I understand. Joe's definitely paying a lot of money to keep flying somebody in. And, and didn't they mention when they were interviewing his uh, his professor, which I believe I'm, I'm saying correctly, uh, he went he wanted to start from the beginning, right? So he's basically he's at a yellow belt. I don't know. I don't, no, I, I don't know. So he, he, he was a blue belt and then wanted to start back from the beginning, so went back to a white belt. So there's okay. only there's only five belts in jiu jitsu in Brazilian jiu jitsu. There's white, blue purple brown and black right and then each belt will have a stripe system so you get you need four stripes and before you can get promoted again so it's like you, you class each stripe as a new belt right like white one stripe white two stripe white three stripe mm-hmm. blah 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 and all it is is someone put fucking puts a piece of tape around the belt and then all of a sudden you it's a big deal know, though man it's a big deal because it's like a six month time it's more investment. normal to be on your belt than on your mouth while you're sleeping so I well, guess, yeah. well you say this but then i said to my wife earlier joe mazula's a fucking ro- robot because he tapes his mouth she's like yeah mouth taping that's quite common i'm like what oh, the well, fuck well greg's getting instagram ads because we talked about it a couple weeks ago <laughs> he's sending me over for this for this mouth tape but mouth tape and wet dreams joe mazula <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, here, here's the question that I, I need to know from 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 the two of you here, because it's certainly not going to be me. If we have to nominate one person here to go head to head with Joe Missoula in the jujitsu mat ring, I don't know. The I'm, I don't know what to call it. Adam, is that is that going to be you? I'm going to represent Greenwood. Oh, it, dude, I I could not take Joe Missoula <laughs> in a fight. I'm I was like, uh, what was I? I think I made it to yellow belt with like three green stripes in taekwondo and i was like seven so that, <laughs> that that's my mma training i made it to the black belt equivalent in thai boxing and i'm a higher belt which is a red armband so if you ever see thai boxers wearing the bands on their arms that's like how, how long they've been training and then like um i'm a higher belt in him than jiu-jitsu as well so i'll happily go there but I, I don't know if i'd win because i just think he'd have more ruthless aggression than i would All he'd right, probably so- bite you <laughs> i mean i just feel like he'd just grab me by my eyes and then do like that um that scene at game of thrones where my head just explodes oh the mountain versus the viper yeah, yeah and that. he'd be there bathing in it <sighs> <laughs> that would be a terrible terrible way to go but adam keep the training i know you're back in the gym i know you're getting back on your fitness grind so that's going to be your motivation just in case joe Missoula comes calling last thing before we go to a break and this is just real quick one word we got the play-in coming up here heat hawks adam and i will be uh bringing you some some content on that on wednesday once we have a result tuesday night when we know definitively who the celtics will be playing let's go greg adam and i'll finish it off here hawks heat who's winning that game on tuesday adam hawks and that's just because it's wishful thinking (laughs) <laughs> I like it. I think it's going to be the heat as well. We'll see how it plays out. Jimmy Buckets, Trey Young, that's the matchup. Tuesday night, we'll be with y'all Wednesday morning. Adam and I will have something going up to recap that as well as as well as to preview what will be the first round series for the Boston Celtics. With that, we're going to take a quick break here, come back, and we got some categories that are going to recap the 2022-2023 Boston Celtics season. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, we, we did this a couple years ago, and I thought it went really well where we had a couple different categories that we used to kind of summarize the the season. Now, obviously, it just ended, you know, we're doing this pretty much right after the the Hawks-Celtics Summer League All-Star Game preseason matchup that just happened to end the regular season here. So we're going to go through a couple different categories, give you all some thoughts that will help, you know, kind of commemorate what's been a, a really entertaining regular season for the Celtics. And then we'll set some stuff up later in the week here as we look ahead to the postseason. But let's start with our first category here. Let's go with our favorite game of the season. And I'm going to start with Adam. because there's, there's one game that I really hope you pick for this. And I'm going to make sure it gets talked about, even if you don't pick it. But I hope you pick the one that I'm thinking of here. So, Adam, let, let's go to you here. What was your favorite game of this? The past? win against Sacramento in Sacramento at the end of the last road trip. Oh, you've disappointed me, but tell me, tell me more. I just think it was one of the best games. You come into a like that road trip. There was a lot of discussion about the Celtics defense. There was a bit of discussion about whether they were shooting. That was when we felt like they were shooting too many frees, and they were slowly figuring things out but it hadn't completely got there. And then they roll into it against the team with the best offense in the league. And not only, and you knew that Sacramento weren't going to be able to shut you down. Right. But it was kind of more along the lines of, Oh, I was trying to get yeah, one step. There we go. It was kind of more along the lines of, Hey, can Boston run enough offense themselves to hang with them? Can they make their shots work and stuff? And it was just kind of, for me, it was kind of like a, Yo, when we need to, we can put you on blast, right? And we saw it again with the Milwaukee game, but I felt like that was just too much of a low-hanging fruit. That Kings game was definitely one where I felt really good coming up against a team that was just blowing guys out, and the Celtics were like, no, we're ending this road trip on a high. Uh, That was pretty much it. Plus, I like the X's and O's in that game, but I don't need to dive into that right now. It's always nice getting a win against our boy Brendan Nunes, right? Just it's a little, little. I mean, little I was trying to be humble, uh, but like the I did send him some text messages after that. <laughs> All right, uh, Greg, you want to go next here for your your favorite game? Yeah, of the year? sure. Um, so this is two days after my thirty fourth birthday, February twenty fifth. So if you can do the math, you know when my birthday is. February twenty fifth, Celtics versus Sixers. Uh, Jason Tatum has that big three to win it where he does a snatch back cross on DeAnthony Melton and then Joel Embiid hits the full court heave at the buzzer that doesn't beat the buzzer. Um, that was kind of like the all t- like I feel like that was the peak of the vibes 
this year because right after that, the Celtics went into a little bit of a tailspin. Um, so that game right there, when we beat the Sixers, completely crushed uh, the Sixers' hopes of contending this year. In my opinion, I think that was the game where the Sixers realized no matter what they do, they're probably not going to be able to beat the Celtics in the 22-23 season. So for me, Jason Tatum's game-winning three-pointer against the Philadelphia 76ers on February 25th was my favorite game this year. Little birthday game, right? Little, 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 little game. you know, a little icing on the cake there. I like that. That's a that's a good choice there. That was definitely in contention for me. The one that I'm going with, and I'm a little upset Adam didn't didn't choose this one. I feel like this was was right there. It was on a platter. I wrote it down, just assuming I wouldn't even be able to choose it. But I'm gonna go with January 28th, Celtics versus Lakers. LeBron has a mental breakdown, and Adam Taylor makes it to Boston to hang out with the boys for a weekend and that's not the game you choose how how did that happen because to do you want to know something? i completely forgot that was an option um, <laughs> <laughs> that lives in its own other universe yeah, of experience like, yeah for me like that's a it's like a, a milestone and experience and kind of like um, a story all wrapped into one like the game was dope man and i've really enjoyed the actual experience of being at the game but like that's Adam, not Boston Celtics. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I've tried, I've, I've, I try and cut, compartmentalize, but yeah, I didn't really think I could choose that yeah. one. Now I do. I'm changing my answer. Yeah, um, I, was, I thought it was right there. I was like, I'm pretty sure Adam's gonna pick this one. But, I but did. even, even, even outside of the bromance of you know being able to spend that time with the three of us together, and you know, with legs unifying that bond. You know, I, I even look back to the game. I mean, number one, it was my first time seeing LeBron James in person. He was awesome that game. You know, it was really, it was, it was one of you know, it was a, a, a bucket list item right to, to see guys like that when they come into the nba you want to make sure that you see as many of these legends that come through when you can so that was really important for me and then on top of that you know greg you and i were in the building a few games before that which might be part of the next category just teasing out a little bit here when jalen brown missed some very important free throws at the end of the game against the knicks that that could have got the celtics a victory a few days later after you know after all the the angst that came with that, and you could feel it in that Celtics Lakers game, he's back at the line, but he knocks him down. And so I think that's a moment that specifically for Jalen Brown, I think I hope is something that, you know, is going to play a factor here when we get to the postseason and give him a little bit of confidence in those big situations. Cause that is a concern for the postseason is the Celtics late game free throw shooting. And so I, I try to look back at that game. Like, okay, we know that he can do it in a big spot, ESPN, ABC, Saturday night, LeBron, AD, all the spotlights that, that come with that Paul Pierce in his pajamas sitting on, you know, sitting courtside. <laughs> like that's high pressure. That's high pressure. And he came through. So aside from, you know, the trio of us being together, the three man weave in person, uh, I think that's another important aspect of that game. And that's why that for me was my favorite game of the year. So with that, let's go to the flip side. Let's go to our least favorite game of the season. And with that, let's see, Adam, you went first last time. Greg, let's uh, let's swing it over to you here for this one. Okay, I'm going to go one week later. Uh, the Celtics begin to fall prey to that lazy execution that really was like a thorn in their side for multiple points during this season. But we, you know, we're up 28 on the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets that are post KD, post Kyrie, 
and we end up blowing that 28-point lead to a Nets team that had been struggling, and we end up losing by 10. So a full 38-point turnaround at home to the Nets. And this kind of begins that most dramatic part of the season with fans seemingly just throwing themselves overboard, getting off the ship, um, not going down with the sinking ship at that time. And the Celtics would go on to drop the next two games as well. We lost to the Knicks and the Cavs in overtime in the next two games. And it felt like that Nets game may have been a point in the season where we're like, oh, we're going to look back on this as a wasted opportunity. You know, one of the reasons why we didn't get the one seed and that three game stretch definitely falls in there. And I remember myself feeling very, very low because I thought when that game started, I was like, oh, we are winning this game by 45, 50 points like that Suns game, like that Bucks game that we just dominated right from the start. And it just didn't happen. And Mikhail Bridges goes nuts. Um, I think who was it? Dorian Finney Smith maybe hit a couple three pointers late in that game. Um, so that was definitely the, as well, you know, I love this word, the nadir of the season for the Celtics. Who's next meal? You will, uh, let's go, let's go to you, Adam. You, you, you sure? Cause you went last, last time. So that's all right. That's, that's what I do here. I host, I dish it out. I let y'all I'll let, I'll give you guys some space, let you create, do your thing. Leaders okay. eat last. First of all, I wanted to just credit Greg on, what was it? Nadir? Nadir. Yeah. Nadir. N-A-D-I-R. Look it up, it's, everybody. It's Use those dictionaries. Right? You see, uh, use them dictionaries. Wow, Webster. Wow. Um, okay, my worst game of the season was the my 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 calendar sometimes shows the day after because of what time the game started. So if I'm a day out, please forgive. Um, it was the December 18th, possibly December 16th, lost to the Magic, which was the second straight loss to Orlando, right? So they lost to Orlando on the 16th slash 17th, then again on the 17th slash 18th. Um, I was very upset about this. So they did look, they just beat the Lakers. They played the Lakers on the 14th. They'd beat the Lakers in overtime. They'd lost to the Clippers the game before that. They lose to the Magic after the Lakers. And you're like, that's fine. We got them again in a moment. Like, you know, a day, day after, we're going to play them again. There's no way you're losing two times in a row to the fucking Orlando Magic. Come to find out you're losing two times in a row to the fucking Orlando Magic. And it, like, all of a sudden, like, all that hype and, the good vibes from such a strong start to the season. And then, you know, this isn't too long after they lost to the Warriors and everything started to look a little bit wonky for them. Um, it ju- it was just a real low point in the season for me, you know, like, but obviously I really like watching Paolo Banquero play, but it was kind of just like, man, this team just got beat back to back by Orlando and we we're expecting them to win a championship. And I think that was the first time I really sat there and thought to myself, like, man, there's a chance these guys, fucking fall in the first round now obviously they improved after that and that i don't feel that way no more but that was a real low point in the season for me and to be so close to christmas as well i'm (laughs) pretty sure the only reason i didn't pick that game i think my memory serves me right is that we weren't full strength for those losses to the magic but the loss to the nets i believe that we were full strength um because i think tatum sat out a couple of those games so tatum wasn't there jalen brown played grant williams al horford marcus smart Derek white malcolm brogdon robert williams sam hauser luke cornett pagan pritchard like to me that is like a team far worse than that damn near beat a full strength milwaukee bucks team yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, they were strong enough to win, man. I mean, they allowed Bankero went off for 31. No one else got 15 for them. Ball ball 11. Uh, Doesn't no, ugly game. I remember it was, it was just, it was very displeasing to watch. Yeah. I'm just like, I was just like, what the fuck, man? 
So and that uh, was and that was also yes. correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, because I think you might have the schedule pulled up here. That was the start of a homestand, right? It was like a like a six seven game homestand because there was also that Pacers loss. I think was was in yeah, that Pacers mix as was well. directly after that game. Then they beat the T Wolves, beat Milwaukee on Christmas Day, and then it was a bit of a win streak up until they played the Nuggets at the start of January. Yeah, and then they lost to the Nuggets, followed by the Thunder. It, it just it, felt real shaky during that time frame, which I think was the the biggest thing, and especially with that was leading up to that Milwaukee Christmas Day game, right? That's one of the benchmarks of the season. Anytime yeah. that we play Milwaukee, and when we were looking ahead to the one seed and what the one seed could potentially be, which which actually leads into my least favorite game of the year. Uh, and that was a recent game. It was the March 28th game against the Wizards where effectively they, you know, fell to a trap game. Fell to a trap game, which really took out any realistic possibilities of the Celtics still getting the one seed. And as we're talking about, as there's a couple comments here, there's many games that you can allude to. I had down here the Oklahoma City massacre that was, you know, 150 without Shea, without Shea letting up 150 to OKC. Uh, that was a tough game to watch and then come do a podcast right afterwards. That wasn't one where it was very pleasant. The Wizards game I looked to just because, you know, obviously, you know, a little bit of recency bias with that. And we've seen that the Celtics can win in Milwaukee and they're going to be able to win. They're going to have to win in Milwaukee now for sure if that matchup you know does come to be and it won't necessarily matter quite as much until you get to game seven and you look at you know last year when the roles are reversed you get you can get a, a role player like Grant Williams to have that game we've seen Kelly Olynyk have that type of game and you know both teams won on each other's courts leading up to that and so you know it, it's just going to sting all that much more if we get to a game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals and Pat Connaughton or Jay Crowder's going off for 23 points. And you start to think about, man, what if we actually had that one seed? Are they, would they be able to do that in the Garden in Game 7? Highly doubtful. Role players don't necessarily travel to that extent in a high-leverage situation like that. Now, if it's Giannis, it's Giannis. If it's Middleton or Holiday, like, that might travel. It's those role players that get that little extra bump on a game seven at home, like Grant Williams, like Kelly Olynyk, and Celtics past. And that's when I think you just kind of look back to a lot of different games, but specifically down the stretch, that Wizards game, because it feels like the Celtics have rounded into form where we're all feeling pretty confident. And that's the one game you look to where they just shat the bed with, with looking ahead to that, to that Bucks game. And it's, you know, what could have been, it doesn't matter now, but it's what could have been. For sure. Yeah. I think the, the Celtics, they're going to need to probably win that Buck series in six, right? It's going to be really hard to go into Milwaukee game seven, just like with Giannis and all of the energy he has feeding off of that crowd. Um, I think that the the Celtics, if they're going to beat the Bucks, they need to do it in six. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's, uh, let's move this on to our next category here. Uh, let, let's, we're, you know, we're, we're balancing this here with some of the good, some of the bad. We got to have a well-rounded discussion here. So disappointing. I put it as player slash moments. So you guys can take that, take that where you will here. Uh, Adam, let's go to you for this one. Yeah. So I didn't realize we could choose a moment. So I chose a player. Yeah. That was, that was a um, last minute, minute edition. You called an audible, but just if you want. didn't tell yeah. the rest of us. Look at me. using Omaha. Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> look at me. Listen, we, hey, hey, we don't, we don't call timeouts. We adapt on the fly here. You know, yeah, audibles, dude. Um, I'm so proud of myself. Uh, Grant Williams was the guy that I chose as the most disappointing player. I've been high on him all season. I thought that he started the year looking incredibly improved. We saw him driving out the corners. We saw him trying to facilitate on um, 
handoff actions and run stuff around the elbows. He was trying to just, he, well, he was showing more of his game. And up until probably around the end of December, I was like, yo, this dude was right to bet on himself because he's earning a bigger contract right now. He's playing some really good basketball. He's fitting in with the, with the style of the team. Joe Mazzula's found another way to kind of get that next level out of him. And then all of a sudden it went to shit, right? So he had that slump, that shooting slump, and I'm completely fine with that. I'll overlook a shooting slump. Sam Hauser had a shooting slump. No one's talking about that anymore because the dude's been going off. Like if shooting slumps happen. It's a long season. You know what I mean? I'm cool with that. But it's the inability now that he doesn't take those shots. He, he doesn't imp, like put, how can I put it, implement himself, imp, add an impression onto the game. He, he's kind of, he feels like a passenger at some points and one that just makes things worse, dude. He argues with the refs too much. He's not a star. He's not going to get that respect. He's not really defending at the same level. I feel like he's getting lost a little bit. He feels like sophomore year, Grant Williams more than more than last year Grant Williams and if everybody watching remembers sophomore Grant Williams was the worst iteration of Grant Williams <laughs> so um it's just not feeling great right now and I feel like he's really hurt himself in terms of free agency unless he can bounce back with a big postseason yeah it's been a bit of a roller coaster with Grant this year Gre- Greg and I were were chatting yesterday about how if you if you think to you know the the entire season right there was a point in there where and this is you know towards the first 25 games where everyone in the Celtics was hitting a three like it didn't matter who you put in the Celtics were shooting you know these absurd historic rates offensively and there was a brief moment where it was like shit maybe maybe Grant bet on himself correctly here maybe he is gonna get you know somewhere in that 18 to dare I say 20 million dollars that was always probably a little bit too far but you know it takes one team Right. All it takes is one team to think that he's a guy that's that's worth that, that he's worth that last that last piece to overpay. And it felt like that was at least plausible. We're far from that situation now, where now it feels like the leverage has actually potentially in the offseason swung back to the Celtics, where, you know, maybe he is more now in that 10 to 12 million range, which it sounds like that's where offseason talks were somewhere in that 10 to 13 is, is, is where it lived and then ultimately decided that let's play it out. And that'll be an interesting discussion because it's it's really been kind of a up and down for for Grant Williams this year. Yeah, worst case scenario, he's going to break even, right? He turned down a ten to twelve million dollar contract, and if he hasn't impressed enough to get more money, he's going to get what he turned down, and it's just whatever. Nothing changed for him, but that means he made the right decision because he hasn't lost money. For sure, I always want to shout out uh, Michael Spitzer in the chat. I have a question for you guys, Will and Adam, based off of that. Do you think Grant is more likely to win us a playoff game or lose us a playoff game? Win. Yeah, I think he's more likely to win. I don't think his performances have been that bad to lose you one. I just think they've been underwhelming compared to what we saw to start the year. Yeah, I think he'll get pulled before he has a chance to to really lose a game. I think in those you know, high leverage situations that there's going to be. If he's out there, he's going to be out there because he's earned the right to be out there and he's playing well. Uh, and and I think if it's one of those games where you feel like, man, Grant just doesn't have it, he's just not going to be out there. Yeah, and to kind of bring it full circle to that contract talk, I think really what it's going to come down to for Grant Williams is making the argument, I'm either an 82-game player or I'm a 16-game player. Am I a pre, am I a regular season or a postseason player? Right, That's where he's going to make his money because if he repeats what he did in last year's playoffs, even if he, you know, 
80% of what he did in last year's playoffs, I think Grant gets at least 15 million because he was great last year. Um, he's going to have the opportunity to go up and guard some really legit guys. You might see him a little bit on Bam. You might see him on Jimmy Butler. You might see him on Giannis. You might see him on Embiid. Like he's going to have a lot of opportunities to prove his worth. And if he can be a 40% uh, three-point shooter and rediscover his stroke from the line in case he ends up on the line uh, in a big situation in the playoffs, I think Grant's going to make a lot of money this offseason. Yeah, definitely still a chance for him to make his make his bag this postseason. Greg, what you uh, what you got for disappointing player slash moment? Can I can I ask you to go first, Will? And uh, I'll go last yeah. on this one. No okay. doubt. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. So for me, mine's a little bit tough because it's all based on circumstance, and we just saw this individual go off today. So I'm putting Peyton Pritchard here, and it's not okay. anything to do necessarily with him directly. It's you know he's a guy that we saw playing legit minutes in the finals last year. And just kind of do a circumstance, you bring in Malcolm Brogdon, you know, Derek White takes off the way that he has Marcus Martin. They've, you know, for the most part, they've stayed healthy, that that trio, right? Marcus Martin has had his, his you know, hiccups here and there. Brogdon, we've sat him, you know, uh, in a few back-to-backs. But other than that, he's been very healthy, especially given his track record. Derek White's an Iron Man. He played again today, even just for five minutes, just to be out there for whatever reason. You know, Derek White just always wants to, to be out there and has had maybe the best season of his career. And so with that, there's just not a lot of time for Peyton Pritchard. And we saw today, he's certainly capable. And, you know, it's when he's gotten his opportunities, it's been so few and far between. It's been a little bit up and down. He's had the injury towards the end of the season. Uh, so this is completely just a circumstantial choice for me. That's disappointing that a guy who I really like, who I think we all really like here, Adam, you wrote a, a great piece about him on Celtics blog the other day. You know, this, this guy is going to have a role in the NBA. It's just probably not going to be with the Celtics, unfortunately. So he's going to be a really nice luxury that may or may not see the court this postseason. It's going to be really nice to have him, though, as a just-in-case, because you never know what happens. We've seen, I mean, if, if someone goes down, is going to be ready to come in and do what he needs to. So it's nice to have that. But I would expect that this is probably the end of the Peyton Pritchard era here by by the time we we get through the offseason and we look to next season. Um, so it's disappointing in that sense. Nothing specifically about Peyton Pritchard, just entirely circumstantially related if there's one team that you would like to see peyton pritchard on next year what team would you pick for him what is his ideal situation in the nba right now do you think he needs to go to a a team that he can just play a lot of minutes does he need to have a role on a good team like can he go score 20 points a game for i don't know the wizards you know like i feel like the wizards could be a team that he could end up on i mean i think he's a guy I, i don't know the team specifically but I, I think there's two different ways that it can go, right? Because he, I, I think he's a little bit in the Aaron Neesmith camp. He just needs to play. Like, I think it'd be really nice for him to go to a team where he's just going to get <laughs> oh, wait, 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 do you think Peyton Pritchard would fit well in the Indiana Pacers? What about the Utah Jazz? <laughs> <laughs> just a coincidence. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why Peyton Pritchard might be a good fit or a fan favorite there. Just wild connections. Uh, but no, I mean, those two actually could be potentially good, good places for him to go, despite just the whiteness of uh, <laughs> of himself, just being white. Like, you know, aside from that, it could be good fits. But uh, I think he could do both. So I think he could be the guy that goes to a team and he gets a starting or six-man type role where he's playing 25, 30-plus minutes. Or he could be a guy that's, you know, just a solid eight-man bench rotation guy who's just consistently in the lineup. I think he could, he'd be able to do both. I think for him, I think he probably wants to see what his life is like if he can be a starting point guard somewhere. Um, but I, I think wherever he goes, as long as he's given an opportunity, he'll stick and he'll he'll make an impact. But he just needs to have the opportunity to do 
do so. I think he'd do well to be on the Lakers, to be honest with you. I feel like the yeah, Lakers might be a good be spot for him too. It would hurt got, to see him on the Lakers, but I think he would do well there. I've got the Bulls as probably my ideal landing spot for him. Like They've just had point guard issues for years. Kobe White hasn't turned into the guard that they wanted yeah, that's him a good to one. be. Um, I just feel like a backup role there with a good 15 to 18 minutes a night makes perfect sense. I've uh, I've compared him a lot to Kirk Heinrich over uh, over his tenure <laughs> with the Celtics. You know, just I mean, it, it might be a little bit lazy. Once again, white on white crime. But, you know, like I do see some similarities there with the shooting, the defense, just kind of the, you know, the grittiness that goes along with it. Uh, I do think that's a that's a pretty good fit there, Adam. Uh, Greg, you ready for your disappointing player slash moment? I just wanted to give you your opportunity to pick your guy because I had three guys. Peyton Pritchard was one of them gotcha. that I could have talked about. Now, I'm going to talk about my favorite player on the Boston Celtics here. And this is uh, a function of the expectations that I have for my favorite player on the Boston Celtics. And that is Sir Lob Williams. You know, coming into the season, obviously, Robert Williams coming off of offseason uh, knee surgery. We weren't expecting him to make a huge impact from the start. But I was expecting a little bit more than 35 games out of Robert Williams this year. And that's all we got. We got 35 games, 23.5 minutes per game. So that is not a lot of minutes this season. There wasn't a ton of peak Rob this year, even when he was playing. We have seen some encouraging developments in his play and his athleticism. That pass that he made the other night was ridiculous. I know you and I will have had some conversations about, is Robert Williams really a good passer or does he just make, does he know how to make highlight passes? Mm -hmm. That's a conversation that I, I like to have, you know, kind of, off air, but I feel like I'm ready to have it right now. Is Robert Williams actually a good passer? Is he a good decision maker? Maybe that's a better question. He's a good passer, but not a good decision maker. Maybe that's something we could talk about. But Robert Williams, to me, was my biggest disappointment this year, but I still love him, and I still think that he has an opportunity to have a huge impact in the postseason. But really, with Rob, it's always just about health. Just to plug... I've got an article about Rob coming out tomorrow or Tuesday about why his passing allows him to play in that five-out system. So that might fit well with whatever discussion you're going to have. Just wanted to plug it. I love it. I love it. Um, Adam, what, what are your initial thoughts on that without giving away the whole thesis of your, your article, Robert yeah, I mean, Williams, with his passing ability? Yeah, I think the passing ability, like, um, so what I'm trying to do is look at it from multiple angles, right? Like, there's passing when it's one one pass away, passing when it's a swing pass or a skip pass. Then you've got your handoffs, and you've got like your uh, your different the different ways you could do handoffs, flip, touch, grenade, whatever. I think that he makes really good decisions in what type of passes to execute. I just think sometimes he might be a step late on the execution, and and that's just a reps thing, right? Like it's just allowing him to do it so often that he he processes the floor a bit quicker. I think overall, though, like I, I genuinely believe he's one of the best passing bigs in the league. I don't think that's any question on that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's funny because with Rob, I think the reps part of it is such a big um, part of this discussion, and the fact that he can't stay healthy, so he can't get the reps. Like even a game yeah. like tonight, how great would it have been to see Robert Williams just go out and play forty minutes as one of like the primary options on offense? Mm -hmm. It's just like he's not ever going to be able to do that. We're never going to be able to see him like maybe develop that fifteen to eighteen foot jumper or back to the basket game just because like he he just doesn't have the opportunity, and you only you want to save him for the big moments. So like you can't really get those developmental minutes. I think the other part as well is scheme, right? Like they've you've the Celtics have run a five out. This is the second year where they've really lent into it. Where, but for majority of the time, Rob's been on the floor both years. It's been more of a four out one in with Robert Dunker, 
And it's really so when he is healthy, they still weren't putting the ball in his hands to get the reps as a passer and a facilitator. And now we're seeing the Celtics run this single big and Rob's kind of forced to do more on the perimeter as a creator. And now we're starting to see a little bit of growth blossom. So I think there's still ways to get him reps. I agree, though, like it's not going to be enough games and enough reps for a rapid improvement. But I think incrementally over the next year or two, he could become a, a legitimate facilitator for the team. Yeah, and I mean, like, part of this here would be, you know, <laughs> Greg, we've joked about this. I'd love to see a GoPro on uh, on Robert Williams to see what his processing is like because, you know, it's funny. Like, Adam, sometimes you say he's a, he's a step behind, he doesn't have the reps. He's also, you know, Mr. Hot Potato, right? Like, nobody gets rid of the ball quicker than Rob does as well. So it's interesting to think about the the different dynamics that that kind of go along with it. So let's let's go to our last category that we have here. Uh, this one here, we're gonna do. We're gonna flip it. What's the most encouraging development storyline and/or player? Uh, Greg, you seem excited, so let's go to you here for for this first one. Okay, my guy, Sam Hauser. Hauser, did you do that? Hauser, Hauser. Hauser. If you guys, if you guys had to guess, how many games did Sam Hauser participate in this season? I'd say at least fifty-five. I was gonna say sixty-one. Unless I looked up the wrong thing, Sam Hauser played in 79 games. Yeah. Season. Wow. 79 games. Is that? I got it. I got, okay. Keep talking. Look, I'm, double, I'm double, double check, check me because when I, when I looked it up, I was like, wait a minute. Sam Hauser did not play 79 games. <laughs> That's not his career games. total. <laughs> oh, shit. No, he played 79 games. He played 79 games this yeah. year. No, you, you are 105 games for his career. 79 of them came this season wow how that, crazy is that right so like that's we have sam hauser playing 79 games he signed on a three-year deal like 1.5 to 2 million dollars per year like that is such a super cheap team-friendly deal to think that we got rob at a discount we got um we got brogdon you know he's making probably around what he's worth Derek white around what he's worth smart around what he's worth but we got Rob and Sam Hauser on super cheap deals. There's a possibility we can get Grant Williams on a somewhat team-friendly deal. And if we don't, we have Gallinari to come in next year. But Sam Hauser, like 79 games this year, 15 minutes per game, shooting the heck out of the ball, over 40% from three. You see what he can do, as we saw in the Hawks game and the Raptors game, the last two games, he's just been on fire. And I think there's a real opportunity for Sam to just ball out in the playoffs if given that opportunity. So Sam Hauser, to me, most encouraging player development because like there's also... The possibility, God forbid, Jalen Brown ends up somewhere else, you know, after the season or in his next contract. Like we have another guy that you can plug in next to Tatum to like accentuate some of Tatum's strengths as well, with Tatum playing a uh, high pick and roll and being a good decision maker there. So I think Sam Hauser, man, I not in my wildest dreams did I ever think Sam Hauser could play 79 games and be a legit rotation player in the NBA. So, Greg, your, your statement for the record is that Sam Hauser is the Jalen Brown replacement? <laughs> no, he is, <laughs> he is not the Jalen Brown, Brown replacement, but I do think that there are other ways the Celtics could fill in around there to make up for Jalen's uh, absence if, God forbid, Jalen Brown ends up elsewhere. So I just want to say from the moment I spoke with Sam Hauser when he was an undrafted rookie, I knew he was going to be great. And I'm talking <laughs> shit. I didn't know any of that. What I'm are you, LeBron James? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I knew him since he, before he was born, dude. Adam, Adam well, was in the delivery room with Sam yeah. Hauser, and he's like, I, I know this kid has something. I just, I knew it, right? I said it. I said it. Ask the doctor. I said it. LeBron's funny, man. Um, I will say this. I, that was the same 
encouraging player I had. So now I'm going to have to pivot when it's my turn. But you're completely right. Took 321 frees throughout the regular season, made 132 of them. Each one of them probably never even knew what the room was because the dude just splashes every time. He's like a brand new born dolphin, right? And it's just finding water and splashing shit out of it. So <laughs> what the fuck? Like he's just crushing it. I'm really like, I'm really happy. I think that for a long time, the Miami Heat were looked at as a team that found hidden gems. And Brad Stevens comes into the front office. One of the first moves he makes is to bring in an undrafted sharpshooter from college that was finished his final year because he played three years at one college, then went to Virginia for his last year, finished, I think it was two free throws short of a 50-40-90 season. And then he has a choice between Miami and Boston. Trust Brad Stevens' vision for him in Boston. And now the Celtics have their own version of like a Max Struess, but you know, yeah. without waving Max Struess and letting Miami rub their noses in it. So no, it's a great storyline. And I hope, I honestly hope that we see him win a three point championship next season. You know, all star break. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I've been begging for the last couple of, I mentioned Greg and I have now been covering the team full time here for, for three is our third full season covering the Celtics that entire time. And beyond before that, before we ever had a podcast, I've been waiting for a guy like Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser is the answer to what I've been looking for. A guy that is a three point assassin. That is a movement shooter that, you know, everything that we've talked about so far of, you know, how Jay, Jason Tatum can play off of him, how Sam Hauser attracts this gravity that the Celtics just haven't had in, yeah. you know, since I, I don't want to, I mean, there has to be somebody I'm missing here before, besides Eddie House, but it's been a while since I've had a guy that just specifically dictates that type of gravity, that type of attention when he's on the court to create that space. And when you have, you know, guys like Jalen Brown, like Jason Tatum, like Malcolm Brogdon that can get downhill, they need the space to to be able to do that. And so, you know, Sam Hauser was definitely on my short list here for this answer. But Adam, I know that he was on your list too. So I'm gonna go here next so that uh, Adam, give you a time, some a little, a few minutes here to think about what you want to go with. And can I, can I just pause you for one second to tell you the update that just come through to my phone? And it's not Celtics related, but Rudy Gobert has been sent home after throwing a punch at his teammate Kyle Anderson during a team huddle. I just yeah. To- I, so okay, let's talk about Whoa. that real quick because we <laughs> went. We no, went. No, that's good. The, Pause on yeah, this. We went to the Spurs T Wolves game yesterday. We were actually. Well, are you going to talk about this for your vibe check? Yeah, it's going to be part of my vibe check. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll skip that part. But like Rudy Gobert didn't look great live and like he hasn't looked great on TV either. And the vibes were not great with Rudy Gobert on the court yesterday. There was a lot of like Rudy Gobert tried. What was that guy's name? Mamu on the Spurs. He tried to, it, but yeah. Yeah. He tried to turn and face up on him and cross over in the post and just got ripped on one possession and just looked like not even close to being a functional basketball player throughout that game yesterday. So not surprising. Um, the fact that he was sent home, I wonder what that means. Is that like sent home for the rest of the playoffs or is it just sent home for like a day? Like, go home, Rudy. I mean, yeah, go home either way, I mean, this trade already looked horrible. Jesus Christ. We haven't even finished the first season and this is where we're at in the final, in the final game of the season in which they're playing to attempt to get into the seven, eight play in like a very meaningful game for this team. And you're sending home the guy that you traded, what was it? Four draft picks for plus some, you know, valuable role players and you're sending him home and you still have what, three, four more years with his contract. And yeah, that's just brutal. Brutal, brutal look for the Timberwolves. And, you know, I, I said this a bunch yesterday when Greg and I were at the Spurs and, and Timberwolves game. 
Rudy Gobert is just easily one of my least favorite players to to watch in the entire NBA. Uh, very sad that I had to pick him for my play-in team last week. Yeah. Yeah. Did good, not, good. Did, did not I, like enjoy, I enjoyed that Rudy Gobert tangent. Back back to the regularly <laughs> scheduled program. I do apologize yeah. for that. No, that was that was worth it. That was worth it. But let's get back here to the Celtics, a very important team here. Most encouraging development slash player for this year. And for me, actually, this is, this is a decent segue here. We were at the San Antonio Spurs game in Austin. I'm going to a former San Antonio Spur, going to my guy, Derek White, potentially, maybe even likely, to make it on the all-defensive team. Uh, I believe he ended up leading the leading all guards and block shots for the season. Just an amazing, amazing year for him. Shot 38% from three-point. Uh, his career high for him this season. You know, we talked about Sam Hauser playing 79 games. Derek White played in 81 games. Availability, this guy is just always out there. He's the linchpin to a lot of what the Celtics like to do offensively, defensively. You know, he can be a guy that has 20 plus. He can be a guy that, you know, has a Draymond Green triple single stat line of seven, seven, and seven. And you're like, man, that guy was maybe the most impactful that I felt today was was whatever Derek White was doing on that court. He does what needs to be done. Uh, every game this year, I, I find something new that I want to come onto this podcast and gush about Derek White and the development of what we saw from him last year. When we when the trade first happened, you know, one of the, one of the unfortunate parts about NBA League Pass is that I actually watched the Spurs less than any team in the league, not just because they stunk this year, but even over the last few years because we get blacked out being in Austin, Texas. So when I do try to turn into a Spurs game, I just I just get blacked out. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go find something else. So I had very little background about Derek White when the Celtics made that move last year you know I'd seen a couple clips and but really until he got into the mix didn't have a chance to to really see what he brought to the table and it's really tough coming over mid-season championship run trying to find your footing and you've seen what a full off season what him being able to to be a part of this team from the very start ended up being a starter for the majority of the season you've seen the difference it made and you know we've said it multiple times He's been the third best player on this team. Uh, did not see that coming. That was not on my bingo board for this Celtics season to say that Derek White was going to be the third best player on the Boston Celtics this season. But I think it's really hard to dispute it otherwise. So Derek White's my answer for this category. Yeah, that's how they led the broadcast today. Van Gundy started off saying Derek White might be the third best player on the Boston Celtics. I was like, he listens to Green with Envy. Let's go. <laughs> JVG, come on the podcast. I don't even think it's a might be. I just think it's he is the third best player on the exactly. Boston Celtics right now. Like he, he, the way he dictates the flow of a game, the tempo, the way he controls when to probe, when to, um, when to Nash, which, you know, there's loads of different things that he does like on a macro level that, or a micro, no, it is macro level that just allows him to impact the game so subtly. And I think that really accentuates everything that like Jalen and Jason are doing. So I'm a big, big Derek White fan. I also like the fact that he wears uh, an NBA paint hoodie. I think that's dope. <laughs> yeah, Derek seems like a good dude. Derek White's a guy I'd love to get on the podcast here. So that's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be one of our goals is getting uh getting Derek on, on the show here in a future state. Adam, are you are you finally ready with your selection? Yeah, I mean I directly pivoted to Derek White, but you know, I can pivot <laughs> again. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna go very abstract because I don't want to just point at Jalen Brown. I don't wanna thank you very much to Freeman Weaver here for the rest of eternity. Um we hope. Just real real quick, I was thinking about the three man weave and I was like, should we be called the three man we? Or is that like too much? <laughs> 
I think I know what you're going for, but you lost me. So I think it's a no. Like just like capital, well, three man weave, but like capitalize capital the weave. W in the E. Cause like, you know, we're collective. I don't know. We, yeah. No, no. Okay. All right, go back, back to you. Adam. Yeah. 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 Let's look it back to Adam here. <laughs> I'm still trying to make sense of that uh, idea. I mean, I'm down for whatever, just so we know. Um, so I, anyway, yeah, because y'all took the best two and I don't want to just go with the low hanging fruit again of Jalen or Jason. I want to go with JD Davison. And the reason, the reason I'm going with J.D. Davidson was he was a low draft pick, one of the last in the second round, didn't really have a jumper to work with, was just pure raw athleticism. But he's developed in the G League. I think he was averaging like 22 points, I think, per game. Um, he was shooting well. He was, uh, I think he was at like 22 and 8. I'll pull up the stats in a moment. But most importantly, with what we spoke about, with Pritchard probably being on the move, you're going to need a new backup point guard. I like the way that the Celtics are starting to turn the the main Celtics into this kind of like conveyor belt conveyor belt of talent. So you spend a year down with Maine, then you know because a two way contract's one year. So there's a chance that J D Davison signs a new two way contract and then gets converted next season. Assuming Pritchard is traded and there's an open roster spot, then they might convert him later down the line if he continues to show improvement. But I just think that overall this conveyor belt of talent, what we've seen from him so far. I, I mean, he's just, he can control the pace, he can push the pace, can rebound, rip and run. If the three-point jumper develops as well, he could be a solid rotation guy to back up the the trio of Marcus, Derek, and Malcolm. Yeah. And he hasn't cost you anything. It's just another draft success, another success of the G League system. And that makes you more attractive to high-level undrafted rookies in the future, similar to, and what I say when you're undrafted, the high level doesn't usually go with it. But I'd class Sam Hauser as a high-level undrafted rookie. You know, so the more you can have success this way, the more you're going to bring the better of that kind of class to you and then be able to develop them and get that reputation that we've spoke about Miami having countless times before. So that's my life. Does this mean that the Yamadar dream is dead? I think the Yamadar <laughs> dream was dead. 18 months ago dude <laughs> that's a discussion for another offseason not for this right now but yeah it's an interesting point we'll have and you know jd davis man the the highlights from that guy and even some of the athleticism you saw today in the final game he is an athletic freak dude guy. he had one block shot today that was insane he like yeah. blocked the floater in the lane and he he looked like he was off a pogo stick yeah and to, and to the point to the point of developing guys that the celtics don't have on their team right now that type of an electric guard yeah. that's that that athletic that's another wrinkle just like sam hauser was that shooter that we've been looking for for the last couple of years so i like that the pipelines in development uh, been a fun season still a lot more to come here so we're gonna have y'all locked and loaded here uh as we move into the playoffs but we'll take a quick break come back and do what we do every sunday here we'll hit y'all with a vibe check all right fellas we're back here it's a sunday as we're recording right now we do this every single week uh this is always a fun one here i let's adam you're going to be first up here because we know where you're going right now. It will. So, can, can you can you cue up the vibe check for my for my production? Well, I kind of figured we're taking a break, so it would just come right back in with it. It doesn't but, work that way. It doesn't work that way. Cue up the vibe check. Feeling good, feeling great. All right, we in the mix here. We got a five vibe check ready to go, like we do each and every week. Adam, you're up first, my G. What you got? 
Yeah, so if you follow me on Twitter, then you're already going to know this. But um, yesterday we got a puppy, puppy English bulldog named Henry. He was, um, he was, his name was already named when we got to him. He's 12 weeks old, but he's super responsive to that name. Like the recall's already in place. Like it's, we can build on it to get really solid recall. So we chose not to change it. So Henry is a 12 week old English bulldog for any of you looking. Oh, that's already a big boy. He's like, 10 kilos so that's 22 pounds already like um and he's just a super good boy likes he likes to play so i woke up he slept through last night 11 p.m till 7 30 a.m we wake up i take him to you know we're party training so i take him into the backyard we come back we play tug of war for about 20 minutes he eats back into the backyard tug of war again sleeps for four hours it's like yes this is the best dog ever because i just get all the fun and then the sleep right so uh, that's my vibe check right now. We're super loving him. My my daughter adores him. Um, that's about as far as I've got with him so far. I haven't like we've had a few standoffs where he thinks he's in charge, and that's okay because I'm a giant compared to him, and I'd stamp that out now before he gets his adult. I was gonna say life. you only got that advantage for now. I mean, we talked I mean, about it pre-show. He's gonna get a pretty big dog. He's gonna he's gonna have some some weight. He'll to toss be broad. Around. He'll be big, but he won't be tall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I'll always yeah. look like a giant. But I think he'll be able to knock me off my feet once he's fully grown. So have we, you have you done a full cuddle yet? Have you done a, pro- a proper cuddle? Yeah, dude. Like he does no personal. Wait, 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 wait hold on, kid. hold on, Greg. Did you just attempt to do a, a British accent with that? No, guy? no, 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 not at all. He's paying right. Considering you said my accent was really strong in person on a podcast, I was always like, like I asked you to put to your face, and you said it wasn't that strong. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, he does no personal space with this little mofo. Like he just, you know, climb like. So our sofa is quite new, and I love my sofa. So like, I'm I'm very like protective of it. So there's like, like cheap blanket throws all over it that we went and bought on friday when we knew we were getting him so his claws can't rip the fabric right mm-hmm. and um he's all walking all over these throws and then he'll be up on my head and clawing at my face yeah dude he's had lots of snuggles um, i love he, it That's he's got great. no personal boundaries right now it's so now we have we have four dogs that are part of the green with envy family i got two i got blaze my 11 year old pit he just turned 11 uh last week yeah. billy my three-year-old gremlin and then will has got his boy taco Boy, Taco's Taco a big boy turns turns two in about a month here and then we now we got henry we got we got the squad man this is the squad here green with envy always growing here got four pups on the scene we got to find a way to do a puppy cast sometime just get just get all the pups in here i don't know, I don't know how we're gonna make it work but we uh we got to find a way to make that happen that's like a gopro thing a gopro and lots of monitors yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get a lot of screens. We're gonna get some extra hands involved for that, but yeah, we'll um, get a lot of screens. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just getting you back. <laughs> was that your American accent? Yeah. What, what, was that? what was that? I can only do like one really specific type, and it's usually like a Californian Valley girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I don't know where to go. Okay, Greg, so go I'll, I'll, I'll go with my my vibe check next. So. <laughs> Adam, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the pod. I, you're a, you're a like MMA guy, like you actually train. I'm just a fan. I am not tough whatsoever. But UFC, I think it was 287 was last night. So I always make sure that I tune into the big fights. One of my favorite fighters is Israel Adesanya, and in his last fight, um, Alex Pereira, who was this like big time Brazilian kickboxer that beat him when they were just kickboxing professionals, um, followed him to beat him and take his belt after like seven professional MMA fights in the last time they they met up. And coming into this fight, um, 
I was kind of expecting Pereira to wipe the floor with Adesanya again, just because he's huge. He's like, he fights at 185, but he walks around at 220. Like he cuts that much weight for these fights. So he's an absolute giant. And he had Adesanya up against the cage in round two. And it looked like Adesanya was going down. Is he's covering up against the cage? You can go look up the go look up the clip on Twitter, wherever you get your clips for UFC. And Pereira just starts unloading on him, completely drops his guard, knees him in the face, goes to his like dreaded left hook that knocked Izzy out in the last one. And Izzy just comes out of nowhere, one twos him, left to the jaw right to the temple, left to the jaw, right to the temple. Pereira goes down, knocked out cold. Izzy gets his belt back. Huge moment. And then hits him with the bow. Yeah, hits him with the Pereira bow uh, celebration that he does. But then the crazy thing oh, was- that was the other guy's was, celebration? Yes, that was oh, his celebration. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that was badass. Yeah. I, I didn't, does, didn't know that part. He does it in his walkout. It's great. And then at the end, um, Izzy like, he he like went to sleep on the canvas and he talked about that after the fight and said when Pereira knocked him out in kickboxing, Pereira's son came into the ring and like literally did that next to Izzy, this like six-year-old kid. And then Izzy just goes, yeah, I had to find him in the crowd and, te- and like do that to him to get my revenge because, you know, I, I need to kick that little kid's ass if his dad's not going to do it. So he was just like on an absolute high. Izzy's one of my favorite fighters. It was really yeah. cool to see him get his belt back. I mean, I like the way, first of all, I haven't trained MMA in years. I still train like MMA styles, just not all at once. I've always been a fan of you learn each style individually rather than go to an MMA, MMA gym and just learn. Very, like, very, you, you become a, a jack of all trades, right? Instead of a master. Yeah. But, and it um, seems like most of the professionals are like an expert in one thing. Yeah. So I've like, I've done my 10, I've done my 10 years in Muay Thai. Now I'm, I'm on year. If I if I remove all the breaks that I've had, I'm on year three in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and all that crap. But so I'm dead one. I'm just not tough. I'm just stupid. Um, two, I I think Izzy's great because he's so f- unpredictable. You know, like them question mark kicks, are not easy to throw. They're ten times harder to kind of mask, right? So they actually become a question mark kick. The whole point of it is you think it's coming as a front teep or it's coming as an oblique. And then it snaps over and hits you in the face. They used to call it the crocodile kick because it's like a crocodile's tail where it'll come one part and then just snap over. Um, they're really hard to master. And he just throws them 20, 30, 40 times a fight and lands like 90. He's like the Sam Hauser of kicks. Um, <laughs> he's really, really fun. And I just think he's a, he's so, his bravado is great. And he's not as obnoxious as what some of the other like big time fighters are i'm looking at a very specific irish guy that i'm too scared to name drop um <laughs> because Ireland's not far from me but y'all can guess right um so yeah i'm a big fan of his yeah and then one one more guy i just want to shout out um although you know he, he's got some some opinions i don't necessarily agree with let's say that just real quick Maz Vidal is a great fighter. Um, he Jorge. retired after, uh, yeah, Jorge. He retired after his fight last night with Gilbert Burns. So um, great career for a great fighter. Just want to acknowledge him. And then Gilbert Burns, I hope he gets a title shot next because Gilbert Burns, I I think that his fight with Kamzat Shemaev is like one of my favorite fights that I've ever seen. And I think that there's a real argument that Burns actually won that fight. So I would like to see Gilbert Burns get an opportunity to fight Edwards or Covington, who, as he said, in the ring last night. And then I'm excited just for like what the UFC has in store. Bo Nichols, a really exciting young prospect. Um, I want to see Shemaev back in back in the back in the octagon soon. And I'm just really excited for all the things with UFC has going, especially 
especially now that they're um, under the same umbrella as WWE. I think that's going to be a fun little crossover. Yeah, that's our UFC corner vibe check. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I got nothing to add to that. Not really in that realm. Did see the clip though. That was a that was a badass knockout, and then the celebration story that kind of goes with it. So uh, that's dope. Appreciate you sharing that here. Let's let's wrap it up here with my my final vibe check here as we are running a little bit long in this episode, but we're having a good time. So you know what, we letting it fly. We having a good time. Oh, so no, dude, like Greg comes on day. and says he has to do 45 minutes because his girlfriend's <laughs> mad at him already. But let's just go. Let's just go 30 minutes over what Greg wants to do. Like why not? Well, well, here's, Greg, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and you know this, Greg. So this is this. Is, I'm gonna say this is part of this is your fault. You know, anytime that we announce, hey, let's make it a quick 30 or a quick 45, you know, we go like way longer. It just happens every single time that we bring it up so you you know that that always happens <laughs> that's the so, best part of this saying. podcast like i'm can we please promote the podcast with that clip <laughs> of greg i'm like i'm walking into where my wife is at the end of this show and just streaming that specific clip one minute nine, eight seconds. <laughs> who gives a hell about my relationship i've got stuff to do we're going we're going an hour 10 here so with that i'll well, get like, my we're an hour check. 10 in, let's just go for another 30 like why are we stopping i'm already in trouble <laughs> Hey, we have a little lovely, lo- lovely movie date coming up oh, later, so that will that will help that, that will help ease it a little bit, right? Gonna go see Air later, so it's hopefully that will, that will settle again. it over. <laughs> We're gonna miss the movie at this point. All right, let me get this out of here. Uh, my vibe check for the week. Uh, yesterday, Greg and I went to the San Antonio Spurs and Minnesota Timberwolves game. They were playing in Austin, Texas, where Greg and I live, and uh, just reminded me of how much I would really, really love. If the San Antonio Spurs could just move to Austin, this is way more convenient for me to go catch NBA basketball to be 10 to 15 minutes from my house uh, and be able to go see, you know, all the different NBA superstars that come through town. Uh, Hopefully maybe next year, the Celtics will be a part of that I-35 series. We'll see. Uh, Had a really good time. Uh, Game itself, just an absolute shootout, very much an all-star preseason game feel. And of course, you know, uh, Greg alluded to this, and I know you guys talked about it on the uh, IG Live pregame. You know, became best friends with Michael Conley Sr. So that was a that was a fun development. Mike Conley's family was sitting directly in front of us. Um, got to have a couple conversations with with Mike Conley Sr., including a pretty awkward comment by me where I inadvertently let him know that I was reading his text messages, um, which just just for the, anyone listening out there, probably not the best way to start up a conversation with someone that you're you're trying to you're trying to talk to. But uh, but I had a good time, man. It was it was just fun getting a chance to to go see some some live basketball in the city that we've lived in now for over 10 years that doesn't have any pro teams outside of a soccer team we got two, three years ago. I just want to point out, Will, you always give me crap about like my ability to find uh, facial twins or whatever, like this person looks like that person. But I looked at Mike Conley Sr. and I saw him and I was like, you know what? Kind of looks like Mike Conley Jr. a little bit. And I was like, I wonder if this is Mike Conley Sr. I just like tapped you. I was like, dude, I think we're sitting right behind Mike Conley Sr. Then you you went on Google, looked it up. And then what happened was, so everyone makes fun of me because I got bad eyesight, right? So my, the text on my phone is just like much larger than the normal it's person's gigantic. text. It's, it's really big. Um, so Mike Conley Sr. is the only person I've ever seen that has bigger font on their phone. Adam, and like it I was- I tell you, it was like a billboard on his phone, <laughs> like- it, it like even, like I, my comment was awkward, but like there was no way to miss it when he just held it up. It's like oh yeah, I can have see to it. read it says, your text with your phone like this. Yeah, it, 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 it literally it's says like, hi Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's like those were the only words you could see like hi Mike. So, <laughs> but Will so Will starts the conversation and he's just like yeah so um 
you know, uh, my, my buddy over here, he, you know, he was looking at your phone or I was looking at your phone and we saw your text message said Mike. And, uh, you know, and then I was thinking like, is this Mike Conley senior? So hi, I'm Will. Like, it was like super awkward. Um, and that's how Will started the conversation with Mike Conley senior. So I mean, out. that takes confidence, dude, like proper, like very big confidence. So props to you, man. Cause not a lot of people would have the, uh, the, the testicles, the gonads, the cojones. <laughs> That's, you know, that's what you want to call it. And I made sure we had more banter. I, 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 I couldn't let that be the lasting impression. So we talked to him a little bit. We talked to him about the play in with him and stuff. And, you know, it was, it was actually funny. I asked him about how, uh, how Mike felt about the trade to Minnesota. And he was kind of like, man, it's fucking Minnesota. <laughs> it was kind of the answer that he gave me. But also I was like, well, he came from Utah. He was like, yeah, it's true. So it's not much better. So basically not a big thumbs up of approval from, uh, from the con. <laughs> for utah and for minnesota so leave it leave it at what you may but it was a good time hanging out shout out to mike conley senior it was fun getting to getting to chop it up but that's gonna do it for this episode of green with envy we've got to run we've got to make sure greg still has a relationship to go back to when we wrap up this episode (laughs) we have gone way longer than we anticipated but that's sometimes just what happens when you unite the three-man weave, myself, Will Weir, Adam Taylor, Greg Manakis. We have such a good time that we lose track of time. It's bound to happen. But with that, Greg, let us know what we're going to hear on the way out of here so you can get back to your life. Yeah, I know the drill. Black Sheep Optimist, Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace. Bye-bye. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't